Before I start, I want to say that, um, that I really, really appreciate your Pastor Bill. Um, Bill and I have known each other for about 15 years, and there have been several occasions that Bill has reached out to me personally and has encouraged me. And so, Bill, thank you for your friendship. Thank you for, for being someone who had heart in their lives and was willing to extend that heart. Um, and um, I will say that, you know, God has, God, one of the things I failed to mention earlier is we, as we are developing G3 Church, that God's brought together an amazing team. Um, you, you saw John and Ruthie this morning. John and Ruthie, in mid-September, guys, they, they took off, they, left, they moved from Iowa to come and be a part of G3 Church. They sold everything they had. They, they jumped in a motorhome and made their way here. And so they got here mid-November. And, and they've been, they jumped in both feet. And so, and, and, and Sam and Stephanie, that, and we're so glad that he and Stephanie are a part of the team. Sammy is a student at Asbury Seminary, and, and he's our pastoral intern, and he'll be helping us out in many, many ways. And, and we, have, we have two other um, church playing team members, families. Uh, David and Pam Bird are from Altamont, and David is our worship pastor. Uh, he works at, at, in, in the retail world, and, and so he's joining us. And also Pat and Mary Beth Donaldson. Pat's our executive pastor. They're from Sanford. Uh, Mary Beth was born in Sanford, and Pat, Pat moved there in 1975. So we have this great team of people that God's bringing together. And, and, and we laugh oftentimes because we laugh that we're kind of a Duke's mixture of people. We're old and we're young, and we come from different life backgrounds. Some of us have PhDs that are part of the team, not me. Not me, Pat and Mary Beth both have PhDs, and some of us come from a very church background. You know, we grew, I, I, you know when, I, when I came home to my family, the, the first thing that I did was went to church as a baby. That was my life. That's just what we did. Sam grew up in the, we've been pastors ever since Sammy was, uh, was born. He's been in the church every Sunday. I, some friends of ours had a baby this week, uh, and, the, and the, the mom posted on Facebook yesterday this question. When is it appropriate to take a new baby out of the house for the first time? And I'm thinking, whenever you want to go. It's a different generation. You know, we, we, we drug our kids to church when they were like 16 hours old because that's what we were supposed to do. So some of us come from, some of us didn't ever grow up in church, but God's, God's radically changed lives. And so we have this great group of people from a variety of backgrounds, but there's one thing that defines us. And that's our hearts. That's our hearts. And today I want to take a few minutes to look into God's Word and think about one character. And it's, it's one of my favorites. It's David. You know, that guy, King David, we read about in the Old Testament. Most of us know him because he killed a giant. But we would say that, many people would say that David was great. He, yeah, he was a great general. He was a he was He, he was a father. And he killed giants, he, he brought together kingdoms, he did all of these things, and David was great. And that's great, but let's ask ourselves this morning, what is greatness? What is greatness? You know, if we were to ask Hollywood, they would say, what, a pretty face. If we were to ask Nashville, they would say, perfect pitch. If this morning we were to ask Washington, D.C., what greatness was, they maybe wouldn't know, regardless of what their party is. But they would say, no, it's about influence, right? It's about how they can leverage the influence of the people they know. That's what Hollywood is. 
Wall Street would say, oh, it's their, it's their ability to do numbers in their head and their ability to gather large sums of money. And today, on this very important day, called the day that NFL determines who will play in the Super Bowl, the NFL would say that, well, great tackling defines greatness. Speed defines greatness. Arm strength and the ability to get rid of the ball quickly defines greatness. But what would God say defines greatness? And what would David say? If we had a chance today to sit down with David over a cup of coffee and say, David, tell us about that giant day in the valley when he killed the giant. And then after a while, we'd say, David, what is greatness? And I think he would instantaneously say this. Man, you've got to have heart. How do, you def- how do I define greatness? How does it- you've got to have heart. And we don't have to look very far to figure out that I believe that that's what God believes as well. Because in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7, the prophet Samuel was looking for the next king that would take Saul's spot. And he went to Bethlehem, Scripture says, if we were to read that chapter. To, and he went to, to talk to a family. The father was Jesse, and, and, and God had told Samuel to go to that family. And, and so Jesse's looking at all the sons, and he said, oh, he looked at the oldest son who was strong and who was good-looking, and, and he went through all the sons, and God said, no, none of those. And in verse 7, it says this, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by appearance or height. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. And then here's the key, folks. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. I got to get used to this clicker, Bill. Right there. If you're following along and you want to follow along in 1 Samuel 16, 7, I encourage you to circle that word heart. You see, the, the world looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. The secret of greatness is determined by what? By our character not by our reputation by what's inside of us not by what we can do or what we can accomplish david was a great man we could even argue that he was the greatest man that ever lived he was a giant killer and he was a warrior and he was a general and he was a king and he brought nations together he united kingdoms he had an incredible lineup of achievements but what in god impressed god most wasn't his achievements wasn't his kingliness or it wasn't the fact that he killed a giant but what inspired god the most was that god saw his heart and one day there was an paul the apostle it was talking to a group of people and in acts chapter 13 verse 22 this is what he said that god said of david i have found david To be a man after my own heart. That's what God said of David. I have found David to be a man after my own heart. How do you know a person's heart? That's the key. If you and I want to learn how to have heart, 
If you and I want to, to live our lives in a way that God's going to be say this for us, then we have to figure out what heart is and how we know what heart looks like. I believe that you can determine what is in a person's heart by how they respond to the circumstances of life. And I believe this morning as we take a couple minutes to look into the life of David, we will see and understand what heart is all about from the life of David. We will be able to describe and to define what heart is by looking at the life of David. You and I in the life, in life that we live will, will experience four great tests, if you would. Four things will come into your life and in my life that will test our heart. The first is stress and sin and service and success. So what happens when sin shows up in our life? What happens when stress shows up in our life? How are we serving those around us? And when success comes in our life, how do we respond? And how do we give glory? So let's first of all ask ourselves this. If we're going to be a person after God's own heart, and we're going to compare that to the life of David, David said, you know, if you're going to have heart, you have to have a repentant heart. You have to have a repentant heart. You know, there was this time in David's life when we see that he had a sensitive conscience. When David blew it, he admitted it. He didn't hide it. He didn't try to conceal it. And what I love is he didn't try to blame anyone else. He took responsibility for it. When someone confronted him, he said, you're right, I blew it. In fact, this is what he said when confronted with sin. Oh, loving and kind God, have mercy. Have pity upon me and take away the awful stains of my sins. Wash me and cleanse me from this guilt. Let me be pure again, for I what? Admit. I admit my shameful deeds. This came... This prayer of confession came after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. He had had Bathsheba's husband killed because of that adultery. Because of, because of that adultery, Bathsheba was pregnant, so he had her husband killed. He took her as his wife so that people wouldn't talk. And when confronted by that, he didn't deny and he didn't excuse and he didn't blame Bathsheba for looking good. He just said, I admit my shameful deeds. I believe that David, that the Bible paints a very clear picture of who David was, warts and all. We see him as a giant killer who inspired his entire nation. We see him as a poet and as a great leader, but we also see him as a liar, a betrayer, an adulterer, and a murderer. You know, that's good news for you and I. You know why? Because we don't have to be perfect to do things for God. I love that. I love that one of the heroes of the Bible is a guy who had all kinds of junk in his life, and God still used him. David was a great sinner, but he was all a better repenter. Think about that. David was a great sinner, the best of sinners, but he was a better repenter. 
And, and my friends, this morning, what I want to challenge you with is we don't have to have, be perfect to have a heart that God sees and God loves. We just have to repent and follow after the example of David. You see, because God will not reject a repentant heart, Scripture tells us in Psalm fifty-one seventeen, God won't reject our heart, a repentant heart. I believe that Satan uses our sin to keep us from doing what he would have us, to keep us from doing what God would have us to do. Because you know what we do? We look at the junk in our lives, we look at our pasts, we look at the sin that we've committed, and we never release the guilt that we're burdened with, and Satan says, yeah, you can't, God can't use you because you're, look what you did. Look, look. Look at the trash that you've done in your life. How can God use you? And whenever you feel that, I want to encourage you to say straight back to Satan, hey, there's this guy named David. And if David, if God could use David, then God can use me. So God's word tells us that if we look at what a heart for God looks like, it's a heart that repents when sin is exposed in our life. The second thing that we can look at, the second way that we can learn to have and develop a heart after God is to have a heart that's trusting. We need to have a trusting heart. Few people experience as much stress as David did. Whether it was about him leading a nation or whether it was about him dealing with his family, his life was absolutely filled with stress. And here's David's response in Psalm 118, 5 and 6. In my distress, I prayed and he, to the Lord, and he answered me and he rescued me. He, God, is for me. How can I be afraid? You're like, Sam, this, where are you at in this? Remember I told you I'm freaking out. I'm doing my very best to pray this prayer. In my distress, I pray the Lord. On Tuesday night at whatever time it was, when I said, God, I am freaking out. I followed that up by saying, okay, God, you got this. This is way bigger than me, and it's way bigger than Pam and I. It's way bigger than the team you put together. And without you, we will do nothing. See, David was, as the king of Israel, was in constant war with the neighboring nations around him. When he was a young man, he stood on a battlefield and he faced a giant named Goliath. He had to run from the king at that time, Saul, for his very life. We read about David, we see that he had to hide in caves so that his life wasn't extinguished. He had incredible family problems. Folks, listen to this. You want, you want a movie? David's son raped David's daughter, who happened to be from a different mother, and the brother of that sister killed the brother that raped her. Family problems, wouldn't you say? David said, I pray and I trust and I keep moving. I pray and I trust and I keep moving. I've learned more and more and more as I've got older that courage is not the absence of fear. But courage is 
moving forward in spite of fear. David, when he was a little boy, Scripture says he faced a giant that was nine feet tall. The giant had armor on him. There's just his chest plate weighed 125 pounds, just his chest of armor. Nine feet tall. David was a short young man. Was he afraid? Absolutely. Absolutely. Courage wasn't not going onto the battlefield without fear. Courage was going to the battlefield in spite of fear. And in your life and in my life, we need to go on in spite of fear. David said in Psalms 18, God, you are my refuge and you are my rock. You are my shield and I will rely on you. I love this verse in Psalm 73. My mind and my body may grow weak, but God is my strength. He is all that I ever need. And so you know what that did for David? A whole army looked at Goliath and they said, he's too big to kill. Do you know what David said? He's too big to miss. He's too big to miss. My friends, every one of us have dark days. Every single one of us have stress that overwhelm us. Pastor Bill prayed about it. He said, we all have stuff. If we're honest, when we lay down at night and we're really honest, if we really look at our lives, every one of us, when we close our eyes, will cry out, I'm freaking out. And it's in those moments that God must be our strength. Depression isn't a sin. It's what we do with depression. Feeling down and discouraged isn't a sin. It's what we do with that. David said, I kept on believing in God, and he kept on moving forward. If we're going to be a person's after God's heart, we need to have a repentant heart, and we need to have a trusting heart. And thirdly, we need to have a servant's heart. David was willing to do whatever God asked him to do. His desire for his life was consistently and constantly, I want to do exactly what God is calling me to do and nothing else. In fact, when Paul, back in Acts chapter 13, when he was talking about David, he said, David's a man after God's own heart. He even said this to the people that he was talking with. He said, God said of David, David does everything that I ask him to do. I don't do everything God asked me to do. Do you? You don't have to answer. Of course we don't. But David did everything that God asked him to do. Why? Because he had a servant's heart. How do we know if a person has a servant's heart? There's two characteristics of a servant's heart. The first characteristic is that they serve wholeheartedly. You know what? One of the things that we love about East Point Church at G3 Church is how you serve. You serve wholeheartedly. Some of you will remember um, this past summer when you, when you were doing a homeless feeding down at Lake Eola on a Sunday morning that Pam and I joined you. Uh, and we came away overwhelmed. You know why? Because you serve homeless people wholeheartedly. Somebody got up and brewed coffee. Someone got up and baked food and opened up casseroles that were still warm. 
does that for homeless people? People who serve God wholeheartedly. Thank God for the way that you serve him. With all my heart, David said, I tried to serve you. And friends, that's how you serve. And that, that's, that's a mark of God upon you and upon your life. David did it with enthusiasm and with zeal. And he did it because it brought joy to him and it made a difference in his life. Someone said recently to me, maybe the greatest, maybe the greatest way that we show what's going on inside of our hearts in the area of discipleship is how we serve those in our society that are less fortunate than we are. Maybe just maybe the way that we know if someone's really following Christ is how they serve those who are less fortunate, the marginalized, the homeless. Just a thought. David served wholeheartedly, and David was also... I'm sorry, didn't have that one. You know what? Look at that. Gone. You don't even have to think about it now. David served... He was very focused when he served. He refused to be sidetracked by less important things. In fact, David even went so far as to say, God, keep me from paying attention to things that aren't very important. In Psalm 119, 38, he said, keep me from paying attention to what is worthless. David knew that it was easy to get distracted. I'm one of those guys, trust me. I get distracted very easily, right? Those of you that know me, I get distracted easily. David knew that that was a problem. David knew that he would be doing here, and then he would go like this, and he never would accomplish what God was calling him to do if he wasn't focused. And so he said, you know what, life, do you remember, anybody remember the game of Trivial Pursuit? I know that's probably older ones in the room remember that. When you know those little facts that mean absolutely nothing in life, but you can win the game from it. Um. David said, you know, if you're going to have a heart that's defined by service, you have to be focused. And your life cannot be a life of trivial pursuit. That's why he said, God, keep me from paying attention to what is worthless. David served God wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. And we know that David had a heart after God's own heart, a heart that that God recognized, a heart that God said, I love David because he has a heart like I love, because he had a repentant heart and he had a trusting heart. He had a servant's heart. And lastly, we can see today that he had a humble heart, a humble heart. And this is what I believe today. I really believe that God wants you and I to have success in our lives. Um, as my friend said, we, God wants the stars to align in our lives. He really does. I believe God, you know, and, and this has just really come home to me in the last few months. As I, as I heard one day a message on, you know, God is our father. And fathers want to give to their kids. Right? Not because of anything they've done. They just want to give to their kids. They want the very best for their kids. And God's no different. And he wants to shower us with good things that only he can give but what happens when success comes our way in everything david did he had great success why because the lord was with him 
In my Bible, I would circle everything that David did. He had great success. Why? Because God, and I would circle, was God was with him. That whole phrase, I would circle. David was probably one of the most successful men that ever lived. He knocked off Goliath and he became a national hero. As a soldier, he was successful. It's, it, there was a song that said, Saul killed these thousands, but David killed his ten thousands. They praised it as a nation and adored him. Both Judah, the two nations of Israel, both loved him. He was Mr. Popularity. But what did David do with that popularity? He gave glory to God. And I think that's a key. You know, show me a hundred people who can handle adversity well, and it's difficult to find one who can, find, who can handle success well. So often when success comes in our lives, we get distracted. Pam and I were just talking about that this week or last. We were talking about the people in our community who are doing, who have success in their lives from the world's perspective. You know, they have great jobs, big cars, big houses. They have all that the world can offer them. And, and, and it was, and they have a hard time seeing that they need God. They have a hard time understanding that God needs to be first place in their lives because they're not dealing with success very well. And as we talked about our advertising pieces and as we talked about connecting with them, I said this, I said, you know, it's hard for them. They don't even know they need God. So maybe we shouldn't even think about them. Now, I'm not willing to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And they're welcome at G3 Church. But I can't make someone know that they need God. Right? You know what we can do? We can show them our heart and let God do the rest. Here's what David said. He said, God, to you alone and to you alone, O Lord, to you alone and not unto us must glory be given. Every success that David had in his life, he turned the glory back to God. He said, it's not me, it's God. It's not me, it's God. David gave all credit and glory to God. And when he was Mr. Popularity, he didn't let it go to his head. There's a story later in David's life, and this wasn't in my notes, but it just popped in my head. So I believe it was the Holy Spirit. Um, there was a time David was the king. He had everything. Uh, he had wives. He had money. He had a kingdom and a palace. And the armies of, uh, went off to war, and they were successful, and he came home. And it said that they had a, a big celebration in the street. And they started singing praises to God. And you know what David did? I love this picture. David ran out into the streets off of his throne and he cast off his kingly robes and he lifted his hands and he began praising God for the victory that was given. Why? Because David knew that it wasn't about him. It wasn't about how good a king he was or how good of generals he had selected. It was about the fact that glory had to be given to God who was their strength and who had given them the victory. As we begin to wrap up this morning, these four qualities are the very qualities that most people overlook when it comes to defining greatness. 
especially in the world that we live in today. But friends, I believe today that God is still looking for people with great hearts. God is still looking for people who have great hearts. In fact, I'm going to stay on that one. In fact, in 2 Chronicles 16.9, it says this, For the eyes of the Lord search back and forth across the whole earth, looking for people whose hearts are perfect toward him, so he can show his great power in helping them. And as God looks at our world today, I believe he is looking for people that have great hearts. He's, look, he's, he's got his x-ray machine out, if you would, and he's looking at our hearts. And if today God were to take an x-ray of your spiritual heart, what would he see? Would he see a repentant heart? Would he see a heart that when that heart realized sin was there, that it fell in repentance before God? Would he see a trusting heart? Or an anxious heart? Would he see a servant's heart or a hoarder's heart? Would he see a heart that was giving glory to him? Or would he see a heart that was getting puffed up and prideful? Friends, God is looking for people who have hearts that he can bless today. Hearts that will allow God to use them. I love this. This is what Paul said of David. For when David had served God's purposes in his generation, he died. Just kind of matter of fact, isn't it? He died. But the key is what? David served God's purposes in his generation. What an epitaph. If nothing else is said of me when I leave this world and go to heaven and that's on my tombstone, I'll be happy. Sam served God's purposes in his generation and then he died. I'll take it. I'll take that. Where does it start? How was David known as a man after God's own heart. How is David known as a man who served his generation? David started everything with a commitment. A commitment that he would allow God to shape his heart and transform his heart and make it the heart that God intended it to be. So as we close, would you do me a favor and just close your eyes this morning? And as we wrap up, I want to ask you this question. What is really keeping you from becoming the person who has a heart after God's own heart? Might it be guilt over sin? If so, I'd encourage you to repent of that sin and and leave the guilt behind because Jesus will take care of it. Is it stress? Then today I would encourage you to trust God.
Because God says, I will take care of your needs, my friend. It's my responsibility. I hope people can say about you what was said of David. When God looks at our hearts, does he see hearts that are repentant and trusting? Does he see hearts that are serving? Hearts that are giving him honor for everything that happens in our lives. A humble heart that acknowledges that it's all because of God and all through God. Let's pray today. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the chance that we've had to look into your word. Thank you for this life that you've given us to, this life of David, a life that was filled with with just real life stuff. Sin and, well, all kinds of sin. Yet, Father, you used him because David was willing to allow commit himself to having a heart that you loved a heart that was filled with repentance and a heart that was filled with trust a heart that was filled with service and a heart that was humble before man and humble before God giving him all the glory so Lord I pray this morning for my heart Lord I I want to be known as a man who has a heart after God And so, Lord, would you just examine me in these areas so that there wouldn't be anything in my life that's keeping me away from having a heart that's just like yours. And, Father, I, I, I pray that you would help me today to have a trusting heart. And in the craziness of life right now, Lord, I pray that we that I would trust you that I would allow you to get it. Lord, I I want to have a heart that serves. Would you help me to see people around me that have needs and would you give me the courage to meet them? And Lord, I today acknowledge that it's yours and yours alone. And I honor you today for all that you are doing, Lord, in my life, the life of my family, and the life of G3 Church. And we understand that it's all because of you. Lord, thank you for that. I pray for my friends that are here this morning. Lord, I pray that they would be open to your words. And Lord, might they be willing to examine their own hearts as well. Because Lord, I believe that one day our world and history will look back to this time in space and Lord I believe that you can do such a work that we will be known as a people of God that did great things and that God looked at our lives and said oh my goodness look at their hearts that's our prayer today in Jesus name I pray Amen